Welcome to this episode of the Exploratory Journey. Today, I'm joined by Ellen, who is an investor at Augmentum Fintech, a leading venture capital fund focused exclusively on the fintech sector in Europe. Previously, she interned with early stage companies in Berlin and worked as a consultant at OCNC Strategy Consultants, where she gained experience in commercial due diligence and strategy projects for private equity and multinational corporate clients. Ellen was shortlisted as one of Europe's top 30 young venture capitalists by Sifted. In this episode, Ellen discusses her career journey and how she ended up specialising in fintech VC. She touches on her startup and consulting experience and gives some valuable advice for those looking to break into the venture capital industry. Hi and welcome to another Exploratory Journey episode. Today, I'm joined by Ellen, who is a fintech investor at Augmentum Fintech based in London. Hi, Ellen, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Ved. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, would you be able to tell us a bit more about yourself and a bit uh, like a short career intro? Absolutely. Um, hey, everyone. My name's Ellen. Um, I grew up in Scotland studied economics at the University of Edinburgh and then made my way to London um, but had a a bit of time um, spent working in Germany in Berlin a couple of startups and then came to London to do a couple of years at a consulting firm and then um, about two years ago now I joined Augmentum um, which is a fintech focused VC fund and we focus on fintech across Europe. We're typically investing in companies from Series A onwards. So at Series A, company might have around 1 million in revenue as indications that they found a product market fit. And we're kind of coming in with growth capital to help them speed up uh, the pace at which they're going to scale. So uh, sorry for the sirens in the background. Um, we. The office is based in East London, which is um, really a bit of a hub of startup activity in London. And the UK is really well known for its fintech companies. Um, But yeah, but part of my role, I mean, I'm covering Europe and outside of COVID times, we get to do some traveling, which is great. Um, In the Augmentum portfolio today, we've got 22 companies and those really do span a good cross-section of, of what fintech is. And we like to set that definition fairly broadly, but companies that you guys might've heard of would include Tide, which is a digital bank for small and medium-sized businesses. They do a lot of advertising on the tube in London, if anyone is on there. Um, then we've got a company called Fairwill, which is the first digital will writing company here in the UK. Uh, we've got Moniz, which is a neobank that operates across Europe. Um, and we've got companies like Zopa, um, who's sort of the UK's first and um, one of, definitely one of the strongest uh, alternative lenders, which became a full bank last year. And maybe one other to highlight um, would be a really interesting company called Grover, who are based in Germany. With Grover, you can rent consumer electronics like phones, laptops, cameras, rather than having to buy them. There's a really nice sort of circular economy element there because um, 
rather than throwing away old devices when you want to get something new, you would just switch up your subscription with, with Grover. So there's a lot less wastage on the electronic side. And those devices will usually have a much longer life than if, if all of us just go out and buy them. So yeah, hopefully that gives you a bit of a taste of the things I'm looking at um, in my role at Augmentum. Yeah, so pretty, pretty broad and the companies you invest in, they're not they're not the same. And I guess that keeps you, uh, keeps the work very interesting and keeps you busy. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about kind of what sort of tasks you get up to on a daily basis? Because you're not a partner and you're not an analyst, so you're kind of halfway in between. And I guess you get to see a bit, bit of both worlds, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking about kind of how I would, yeah, put articulate what my role involves and I think I see myself as you said Bed, like that middle level my role is really to support all of the main activities of the fund so that is helping on the deal sourcing and there I have a lot of support from our fantastic analyst Akash um, so sort of the sourcing piece and following an opportunity through as it moves through the stages and then there's the portfolio support piece, which it's usually our partners that will hold a board seat with the company, but I'm getting more and more involved um, the longer I'm with Augmentum. And hopefully one day, one of those seats will belong directly to me. Um, but for now, I'm sort of going along as the number two representing Augmentum on a board and supporting portfolio, maybe with another fundraise they want to do, or you know if they're rethinking branding, um, or they're looking for us to suggest some resources. If, for example, if, we're, if they're doing a lot of hiring and we can put them in touch with people in our network. So um, definitely that is starting to form more of my role, the portfolio support side. And then, so beyond sourcing portfolio, that the kind of third pillar of what I'm doing is supporting the day-to-day -day operations of the fund. And something I left out of my intro, but it's definitely interesting is that the Augmentum Fund has a bit of an unusual structure compared to more traditional VC funds. So Augmentum is actually a publicly listed um, VC fund. So you could buy our shares, we're listed on the London Stock Exchange. Um, and then that feeds through into us operating in slightly different ways. So a big one there is how we raise capital for our fund. Um, and we actually just completed a fundraise recently where we raised 55 million pounds and that's the money that comes in now and we will we aim to invest over the next year and that was some a project that I got to be really involved in so that was around kind of preparing our numbers that go out and results preparing the materials that we would use to speak to investors um, and then just sort of generally supporting with elements such as it wasn't me directly doing the pitching but the partners pitching me supporting them um, and then feeding into things such as press releases etc so going back to where I started it really is that kind of lots of different strands to it but broadly I'm there to support all of the funds operations um, and yeah that's another aspect that keeps it really interesting. I guess because also the team at Augmentum is still pretty small in comparison to other funds which are quite big which kind of lets you dip your toes in a bit of everything which is probably what you really enjoy about being an investor. Yeah I think um, like when I joined the team 
two years ago. I mean, it's grown a bit, but it's not grown that much. And so we're still this kind of small team. And I think because we've done things like pursue this slightly alternative structure, and we're still quite a young fund, we're only three years old. Um, I think you do find that kind of start, startup culture within Augmentum. And I think that's, I really thrive on that. So I like to try lots of different bits and always be learning about them and always sort of taking on more responsibility where I can. So it's great for that. I guess because you spent time in consulting prior to working in VC, it would have also been kind of a bit of a jump changing industries, although they're similar in some ways. What would you say your biggest challenge was kind of moving into VC and how did you overcome it? Yeah, um, so I think with this one, what you get in something like a consulting role or in a banking role is you get a sort of hyper-structured environment clear hierarchy, clear expectations, clear progression, um, clear tasks, you know, sort of everything is, is, is clear. And there's always somebody telling you what to do. Um, so I think it was moving from that kind of environment into VC with Augmentum, where my work is a lot more self-directed. And rather than sort of on a daily basis, focusing on one task, one project, it's much more about keeping lots of different plates spinning. Um, because even if I'm sort of working really hard on a fundraise for Augmentum, I'm also trying to keep my network warm, make sure I'm catching up with the right people, make sure I'm checking with companies that I'd like to, um, or I'd like for us to have a look at. So it's kind of it's more self-directed and there's sort of more going on at any one time so yeah that's probably that was the biggest piece of the learning curve I think um and and I think it's just still a work in progress right because always it's about prioritization and um being organized but also being flexible because sometimes things change or need to be done in a different order um, so I've just, I guess, adjusted the way I work and found some strategies that help me manage and be organized, but also keep, very importantly, keep that flexibility on like a day-to-day basis. And I guess that, that, that brings a lot of challenges, but also probably a lot of fun and exciting things too, because you're always doing something a bit different. Um, do you think, so off the back of that, Moving from consulting to VC, of course, consulting really helps develop your skills in a variety of ways, particularly for like young graduates who are straight out of university who might not know where they want to take their career. It's probably a good place to start. But what skills have you found which are very useful, which you may have picked up in consulting or may have developed whilst in VC, which you use very regularly in VC? And would you advise on any certain skills which anyone, say a student or a recent graduate, potentially looking to get into VC ought to try to develop a little? Yeah, so some of this might cross over with kind of the last um, the last answer as well. Um, but so, so a big thing that I guess is kind of ingrained in you in consulting is kind of this the so what and 
boiling down to sort of the key issue at hand. And that I bring to every due diligence process that I embark on with the team. And that's kind of, you're always looking um, to get down to the key issues as quickly as possible. And it's really interesting because even in the last six months, um, we've seen a shift going on in, in the VC space where funds are moving much faster from kind of initial conversation to issuing a term sheet. So I think it's never been so important to be really sharp at kind of boiling down to the key issue and key issues and focusing your efforts there. Um, so I think that's something that I started to be trained on in consulting and then bring it here and try and apply it as much as I can from day to day. And it's also really important to be able to do that when you're working with a small team because you just don't have the luxury of yeah. boiling, boiling the ocean, as they say. Um, so that's one. So, so yes, that kind of um, being able to apply that lens where you kind of look at a broad situation and then you narrow or you even just, even if you're just trying to narrow in on key issues, it, it, that's a good thing to start practicing. Um, I think like wherever you begin your career, um, if you sort of develop structured approaches and can always be relied on by your team to, um, you know, present thorough and sort of trustworthy work, then that stands you in good stead to always be stepping up and taking on more responsibility. I, I often think about it as kind of, you take those base building blocks and then more comes on top. So I think, um, but I don't think that necessarily has to come from consulting role. It can come in any role, but, you know, especially when you start out making sure that you sort of nail those initial elements um, and you can always be relied on to go back to them when you need them. That's kind of key. And, and again, that's something that I brought with me from consulting. Um, I think something that maybe takes a bit longer to develop in like a consulting or a very, in a like bigger organization where there's a clear hierarchy is that ability to, to talk to people, to have more of an outward facing role. I think often in those bigger organizations, you have to get quite senior before you're the one pitching to a client or taking a meeting. Whereas with VC, it's kind of day one. It's like, oh, can you go meet this company? Can you go speak at this event? Um, so that's something I've really been working on a bit more here um, that I think would have come in time had I stayed in consulting longer, but was a bit accelerated here. And I think that's something like I've begun to develop on my own. Just it is things like networking. It's, you know, taking opportunities to do to, to sort of present um, within your organization or joining like a, you know, like a sort of a team that works on a um, like a project within the team, whether that's sort of like supporting a charity or running an event. I think as much as possible when you're starting out, putting your hand up, saying yes, getting involved in projects, taking opportunities to like be putting yourself out there and meeting other people stands you in really good stead, especially for this role that I'm doing. 
Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of a bit on skills I'm definitely using. I think like experience wise, I think whether it's experience in um, a, a bigger, more hierarchical organization, or you've gone into more of like a startup early on and you've sort of worked in a more multifaceted role and just like learn on the job that way. Um, I think both are hugely relevant for a career in VC. Um, and I think it's, a, it's really about like reflecting and framing your experiences in a way that feels relevant to anyone in this industry. Um, but yeah, that, that was a great answer. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I will ramble if you don't stop. <laughs> Feel free to in. But yeah, that was that was great. And I, I think like from when I did work experience at Augmentum from the Team VC yeah. program, the one thing I really caught hold of was how important building relationships were as a VC. And it, it is essentially, yes, there's numbers, yes, there's money involved. But at the end of the day, it's the relationship and the the other value you can provide to your portfolio companies and the the way in which you network with them and over time help be part of their journey to help them grow which is so important and you've touched on that really well um but I wanted to kind of touch on what made you make the transition from consulting to VC because you know consulting is still really interesting and so is VC <laughs> what what got you to kind of shift yeah um well that kind of relates back to the bit I did in between university and joining a consulting firm, which was where I went to Berlin and um, I worked, I did two internships, both with very early stage companies. Um, and I, I really enjoyed those experiences and it really was quite eye-opening because I kind of, particularly the first one I joined there and I did have that light bulb moment where I was like, wow, the guys that founded this the team that founded this is they're two years older than me and they kind of had this idea and then they've executed against it and look at where they are now and it was like a really fast-growing team and the, the first one I worked for was a, a company called Chiron which was a non-profit um, ed tech startup and um, you know they secured lots of um, funding from big foundations in Germany and you know, they were having a real impact um, creating this free online university level resource for um, migrant students newly arrived to Germany. So that was quite inspiring. And that was also kind of first introduction to the fact that, um, you know, if you, well, there, there's that kind of meme or quote you'd see right where it's like it's all about execution but it, it was kind of inspiring to see how you know the difference between an idea and like success is execution so that got me excited generally about the space then I worked for um, Bunch which was a H HR tech startup um, and I, I really loved that because I went in when there was like six other people and I just got to see so many different elements of building that startup um, and really loved being part of that unit um, and the kind of team spirit that we had and the determination to overcome lots of mini and great challenges. Um, so 
that was a really valuable and like very formative set of experiences to then take into consulting. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and it, and with the firm I worked for, it kind of went from those very early stage companies to working for companies at the very other end of the spectrum. So really big, really mature, often quite sprawling organizations um, that needed help with different strategy questions. So completely different perspective, um, really still really interesting work. Um, and sort of two, two years or so in though, um, I did start to think, you know, there's lots about this job I really like. The, the analysis, the fact that it's kind of project-based and I'm sort of learning new things. Um, but I did start to think more and more about the kind of the excitement I'd felt around those new ideas coming to fruition. Um, and then, so there was this kind of, yeah, niggling excitement about really early stage stuff that I couldn't get rid of. Um, and then there was things like I'd loved being part of a really small team in those startups and consulting firm I was at was kind of 250 people so it wasn't huge but kind of missed being part of a small team and working consistently with the same team so I wanted to get back to that and then I think I was pretty interested in having a bit more responsibility early on and I mentioned that earlier when I was yeah. talking about kind of the, putting yourself out there but um I recognize that you could get more of that again if you're at a smaller company and if you're in VC um yeah and I guess that I thought um like with within consulting I mentioned it there as well so it's it's a bonus in consulting that you move around to different projects but I think I really like the idea of starting to build knowledge and expertise in a sector specifically so it was great that augmentum then focused on fintech and i think that just is because that's the kind of uh, person i am i like to you know feel deep dive into i like deep dive i like to feel confident when i'm talking about a subject um so yeah i was attracted by the idea of like specializing in something as well so those things combined um I felt like, okay, venture capital actually ticks, miraculously seems to tick those boxes. And then I said about trying to find a job in it. <laughs> Which is probably quite difficult um, because it's a notoriously difficult industry to break into. Um, and a quick plug to the Teen VC program, which is really trying to open up doors into the VC industry and trying to educate the next generation um, and particularly bring more diversity into the industry. Um, but yeah, back to breaking into VC, what was it like? How did you kind of go about it? And I guess even, even with all that experience in consulting, working in two startups, it's probably still difficult. It's probably even more difficult for someone straight out of university who might want to go straight into VC. Um, so yeah, any advice and how did you go about the process of ending up where you are now? Yeah, so... What I did, um, so I remember sort of two years into consulting, having previously worked for the startups in Germany, um, you know, I'd had the chance to kind of understand that there is such a thing as the ecosystem and there are meetups, there are events, there are networking. And 
But then when I came to London, I'd never really engaged in that because I'd been in this consulting bubble. It was quite insular compared to the startups I'd worked at. And so the first thing I realized was like, okay, if I want to move back to that world, I probably need to start building up my connections again here. Um, so that was things like, yeah, finding meetups, going along to them, reaching out to friends of friends or like sort of distant LinkedIn connections who were like either working for startups or in VC and trying to talk to them and just slowly, slowly starting to immerse myself a bit more in like London and broadly like Europe's tech scenes again. Um, and along with that kind of comes this picture building of like, okay, what companies are in the market? What are they doing? Why is that interesting? Who's investing in them? And so there was this kind of whole phase of like building the picture. And then it was a bit like, okay, I've built the picture of tech and now what does the picture of the different funds look like? Um, and then it was a case of, you know, finding out who was hiring because that, that's one of the things that makes it difficult. These are small teams and they might hire once a year or once every two years. So there are often roles advertised, but there won't be that many. So then it was, okay, if there's a role, um, really doing research on that fund because so this is, I don't think this is an industry at all where you can, um, I don't know, sort of send out untailored applications at all. You really, really need to, to know. And you want and to end up at a fund you like. Exactly. And, and it's very, it's a very personal interview process from the first step because it's such a small team often. Um, so they're, they're hiring, they hire a lot based on sort of cultural fit as well. Um, so there's kind of the information gather, gathering stage. And then there was, I guess, putting a bit more meat around the bone on some of the topics that I, I knew I would sort of get asked on. And then um, actually one of the things that really helped was going through a couple of different interview processes with other funds and basically learning from them. And, um, you know, those ones didn't work. But each time I did, I took, you know, took a huge amount from them, reflect that and then poured that back in to the next one. Um, and, and every time I did that, went through the process or even just having a conversation with someone about why I wanted to do it, it really helps you sharpen how you're going to speak about things, how you're going to frame your own experiences. And I think it's quite interesting because actually when I was applying, I found myself talking a lot about the experience in the startups um, because it was almost that experience in consulting, people kind of knew what that involved like okay two years great we kind of understand what that means in terms of where you're at but tell us a bit more about these experiences because that's something not everybody has um your role sounded like you kind of did a bit of everything what did you learn what would you apply in this role and so um it was hugely helpful to have had that experience and i definitely think that in the industry um funds are giving a lot more weight to kind of operational experience time in startups um, because it, it does bring a, a different perspective to the team 
and on the because essentially you yeah, are sorry. working for you are working with startups like you're the other side of the table your your clients are the startups who you're investing in so kind of knowing what it's like to be on one end of the table and then on the other end of the table is probably a, a very beneficial yeah I think so and like I can't claim to to like know that much about it but I think even yeah kind of small insight may may well change even the way that you interact with them even the way that you sort of feel motivated to go out of your way and help someone even if there's not you know a direct investment opportunity on the table it's more that kind of um you wanting to generally support companies and people at that at that stage so yeah so it, it was kind of long process um that i did quite a lot of work on and then everything kind of lined up because then a role of momentum came up um fintech was the space that i kind of really started to go deep into um i felt there was a really good fit with the team and lots of the stuff that i mentioned earlier about these guys kind of doing things differently and being quite entrepreneurial in their approach really appealed to me um so i was very lucky <laughs> and uh yeah, it's working out well so far. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed learning more about how entrepreneurial everyone is at Augmentum when I spoke to you all. And I really like how you, because it's such a small team, you're able to kind of work with each other collaboratively, but also get that level of responsibility. And it kind of fosters kind of a very similar relationship to what it would be like to work in an early stage startup. But just that you're not essentially creating a product, you're, you're a VC fund. Um, and that was really interesting. And I kind of wanted to touch on your internships in Germany, um, mm -hmm. because that probably, as you said, sparked an interest in kind of early stage companies. Um, and even with the work you do now, um, they might not be like pre-seed, but even Series A, they're still very early compared to the massive global multinational companies you've probably also worked with in consulting. Would you say there was a big or a very impactful learning experience you had working in those startups? And yeah. Um. There's one that really springs to mind um, that I think probably sums up like a lot of what you do in most startups, especially at the early stages where, um, so we were, so this was at Bunch, HR tech startup. Our product was like a sort of culture fit score or would kind of understand a team dynamic. So there would be, um, a test people would do, everyone on the team would do, and then um, our product would sort of map um, this and we had various different visualizations and our engineers were sort of building the automated version of this report. And until that was done, there was a much more manual version <laughs> and everything had to come out looking beautiful. Um, so, and we had sort of our data scientist who was leading on that. And then um, and then we, we had me and, um, you know, within a few weeks I had been trained <laughs> to use the, to use R 
which is like a, a stats program, pro programming language. It'd be trained on R. Uh, we devised a system for like producing these reports. And, uh, you know, there was like real camaraderie when we had a lot to do, you know, staying late in the office, getting things done and, you know, being able to pull in all the team to support when needed. And then real sense of achievement when the, those go out and the clients are happy and they sort of subscribe to the product, that kind of thing. So um, it was just, I guess, what were my takeaways there? It was kind of like this thing of just like mucking in. Everyone in the team was like, oh, you don't know how to use this. That's fine. I'll show you. And suddenly, you know, like this new skill and you're producing something like really core and, you know, you're the one pressing send to the client and there's that kind of a real gratification and you feel like you're making a, you're, you know, playing a big role in the company's success. So, yeah. It sounds it, like a great journey to having gone from that, like that initial stage to literally clicking send and you know the results that have come from that have probably been amazing um I wanted to kind of touch on the opportunity that you had to go to Germany because like working in a startup you've spoken about and it's been amazing um and Augmentum it isn't just focused on the UK it's a it's all across Europe and they invest in fintech companies all across um the continent too um how did you end up in Germany and like for someone who might want to, for a UK-based student who might want to explore internships abroad, any advice you have for them on finding them? Yeah, so um, I definitely one thing to lead on is that um, I speak this like a tiny, tiny amount of German. I'm definitely not enough to kind of work in that language. So I think it's the kind of startup ecosystem within Germany and, and maybe within other um, European countries as well is kind of unique in that I think that is a place that you can go and work um, without those language skills, although there are still lots of startups that would need them. Um, the, the other thing, um, and I think possibly rules have changed, but um, you know, the first time I went, the there was kind of a um, an intern allowance kind of thing rather than a salary. And I think it's changed now in Germany, at least, where sort of all interns need a base salary. Now, I, I was able to fund that summer um, be, with with some of my student like maintenance loan that I'd saved. <laughs> Um, but good financial you know, planning yeah luckily luckily I had enough left but you know it, things like that I'm I am conscious like kind of do make these opportunities harder to come by so it's very lucky um finding them was so the first one definitely harder as often is um the first one was a case of like really tailoring my application and then like really persistently reaching out to this company. Um, Would you say kind of borderline, borderline <laughs> pestering them? It was, it was probably, it was, it was sort of trying one channel that not working, trying another 
um, Latin working time and other. And each time I think sort of improving the clarity in my note to them saying, this is why I really would like to be involved. And um, yeah, so definitely persistence. Um, I did apply to lots of different things, um, but actually the ones that went anywhere were the ones where again, I really tailored and you know, wasn't afraid to sort of reach out to different people persistently. Um, and then with, with the second one, the re part of the reason it was easier was that there was someone within my network from that first summer um, that knew of this company who was looking for an intern, et cetera. And, and that's where the, the value in sort of like reaching out, building network can come from as well, because often it is just like kind of right timing. And if somebody's heard, oh, maybe they need an intern, et cetera. So yeah, that first, first one is always challenging. I wonder for students these days, like how the dynamic has changed with the pandemic and the shift online. Is it something you probably know much more about then, but um, I don't know whether that means that you get, you know, companies in Germany now more open to hiring interns who are sitting in different countries, but sort of more thinking about them as remote rather than in person. I haven't really looked into like stuff abroad, but I just think it's really interesting because a lot of people focus so much on finding internships purely in the country they're based in because, you know, they have the legal right to work there. But you'd probably also be able to learn a lot more doing an internship abroad because it's also the cultural fit and kind of learning about the culture you're embedding yourself in, which has probably come in useful, you know, now investing in fintechs, which are not necessarily part of the same culture that you grew up with yeah that was definitely another really formative part of the experience just um yeah working in a different city meeting brand new people um yeah and, and I and you know I, I wouldn't rule out sort of going and working in a different city at some point further later in my journey as well it's it can be really exciting um so yeah, I think it's it's definitely something I'd encourage, but I, you know, definitely got lucky myself and there are kind of the extra hurdles. It's already hard enough to get an internship. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I remember that so well. I do, I remember being in my, so in Scotland we do four years at university and in my third year, it felt like one day I went to, to a lecture and everyone was saying, oh, where are you, where's your internship? <laughs> I've already got mine. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, when were they going to tell the us? Pressure. About that? <laughs> yeah, the pressure. Um, yeah. But I think um, sort of gearing yourself up for, for anything like that, it, if you can sort of demonstrate your interest and, you know, or, you know, your sort of like, entrepreneurial spirit whether that's a podcast like you do bed or it's a newsletter that you write or you sort of collate um with any application it I think it as I said earlier it's kind of about framing like what you've done tailoring that to those people and um yeah hoping that they at least read it yeah, well, I think you've done quite well getting from that point of interning all the way into VC. 
um, and it's probably been a great journey. I wanted to touch on fintech because it's the industry you've started to specialize in um, and over the past two years, you've probably learned a lot. Um, and it's probably one of the fastest growing industries in the UK, particularly because of the way in which London has positioned itself being a hub for financial services, but also being able to produce some amazing tech talent and combining the two is quite easy once you have them both in the same place. Um, what initially got you into fintech? Because there's a lot of industries out there, you know, you could have gone down consumer or manufacturing or anything like that. Yeah, well, it's a good question because although, you know, I studied economics at university and some people from my course would have gone into banking and stuff like that, I sort of didn't think that was going to be my route. And um, yeah, those startups I worked for definitely weren't fintech. In consulting, we didn't do financial services. So I reflect now and I think I was lucky to kind of move into this space um, and now I absolutely love it and I wouldn't want to be in a different one. I think what really got me was, you know, I was describing earlier that kind of initial information gathering phase when I was thinking about moving into venture capital. And as I like got deeper into like the ecosystem here in the UK and Europe, um, I start, I just sort of, kept coming back to fintech and it kept coming back to the fintech companies where I thought okay there's like a model that could have real impact and um, mm, this seems like really big and transformative um, and then obviously the UK has this real strength in the space so that probably fed in as well it was kind of like well what's around me what's going on and you know it was often fintech um, so yeah there was a bit about as I researched more and learned more about it, I kind of understood um, that it was a very big opportunity, that it touched a lot of different areas that we touched on it at the start when I was talking a bit about the augmented portfolio, but it's not just sort of one narrowly defined thing. It's actually, it's a broad area. And if anything, it's just getting broader and broader. Um, and then, yeah, this, this kind of theme of like, potential for impact really drew me in as well. And I think like often the companies I'm most excited about have that kind of theme running through them, whether, you know, they, their products help to promote accessibility or they offer a service more cheaply um, or they improve an outcome in a big way for a consumer. I love all of that stuff. And I actually feel like FinTech is quite uniquely positioned when it comes to impact just because financial services touch everything in our lives whether we like it or not um so yeah so those aspects kind of settled me on it and yeah I think the companies that Augmentum has invested in are some great companies which are doing some great things you know like you touched on monies which is you know a neobank and that's opening financial uh, opening up financial access to people everywhere through the phone because you don't need a physical bank branch and you know Fairwill which I've looked into a bit um, is really cool because digital will writing is like how has no one thought of that before it's so simple and it'll make people's lives so much easier um, what do you what do you think is the big or what do you think will be the biggest changes and growth in European fintech in the next three to five years because 
it is booming like I always saw the IPO of TransferWise or Wise now um, and a huge number of British unicorns are fintechs now. Yeah so so I think we'll, we'll continue to see European fintech go from strength to strength. I think what we'll really start to see is some of those more mature players really pushing into the US. Um, the kind of the first ones that have gone in a big way, like Klarna, Revolut, Adyen, they're doing incredibly well. Um, so I think there's kind of the more mature will start to push out. And then I think back here, we've got a really exciting years to come as kind of the next generation of founders that grew up working in those companies kind of return and start building themselves. So I think we'll continue to see new companies forming new ideas and growing here in Europe. And then I think that path to the US and beyond becomes more well-trodden. Um, and I think all of that will be supported by more kind of progressive changes coming from the regulator. Like that's also a really big part of the UK strength in FinTech is that the FCA um, are progressive with their regulation. And that certainly doesn't mean that they're kind of, you know, lenient or, you know, innovation at all costs because they actually, they're not, they do a fantastic job of kind of getting that balance right. They support more competition in financial services, but they always protect the, con the consumer. And I think when companies build here or in Europe, with those kind of um, foundations around them, what you get is really strong um, companies with, with very bright futures. So I think it kind of comes back to what you said earlier, right? You've got kind of the talent and increasingly the, this infrastructure. And when you put them together, <laughs> great you get lots of great com companies. <laughs> exactly. So no, I, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, continue to feel very excited about European fintech in the next um, few years. And I guess that's quite a high level answer because I think that we'll just continue to see a really interesting mix of companies um, kind of across that spectrum of fintech. So I don't Do think you... I'm gonna call out a single trend, <laughs> more of the same. Do you, do you still think London is Europe's like fintech capital, what it's been dubbed, or even the world's fintech capital? Yeah, I think the UK can still lay claim to being Europe's fintech capital. I think we still see that in the data. So London and the UK has had over like 50% of, of um, share of, of EU fintech funding since 2016. And then the, the most recent numbers we've seen from the first quarter of this year have shown that there's no sign of that letting up despite Brexit. And that was obviously a, a bit of a question on people's minds. Um, so I think from the numbers perspective, it looks like we can still lay claim there. And then I think, yeah, there's still those foundations here, which are sort of pretty hard to challenge on. So you've got the FCA um, really supporting FinTech innovation You've got the financial services history of this country, which also brings talent into the market. And then you've got the kind of talent coming straight out of those first generation fintechs and um, building against people that really strong 
talent pool. Um, but I think like, you know, UK may be the capital, but there are fantastic emerging hubs in fintech and we're really excited about them and sort of we're doing, you know, Augmentum has historically, um, most of our portfolio is UK companies, but we are really pushing out across Europe. And so, you know, regions like the Nordics, cities like Paris, Berlin, Amsterdam, I think those combined with the UK and London, um, really that, that gives you the full picture of European FinTech. Um, yeah, so I'm happy that I get to cover it all. Um, from and hopefully you get to travel a bit more soon. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, would you? Would you? That's someone might have a bone to pick with you on mm. this question. Um, but do you mm. have a favorite company um, which you've invested in, and if so, why? I'm sure some of your portfolio founders will start to um, ring you up tomorrow and say, "Why didn't you say it was us?" Yeah. Um, so I genuinely really like all of the companies in our portfolio. Um, and I think the one I'm going to highlight is, is, you know, I really like them as well, but also it was one that I got to work on the deal from end to end. So I know, know it well and I got to, I've got to know the team very well. Um, but this is a company called Vault, which does... Um, open banking payments or account-to-account payments they're they're called so imagine that you're um, say you're topping up an investment account like a free trade account or you're checking out of a shop and um, rather than doing that either by like a sort of a manual bank transfer or paying with a card um, you see a different option that says pay by bank and it would be Vault, who would supply the infrastructure to allow you to make an instant transfer from your own bank account to the merchants or the platforms. And this is really interesting because this kind of comes back to regulation too. And um, in the last years, the UK and so in the UK, it's a piece of legislation called open banking. In Europe, it's called PSD2, Payment Services Directive 2. Um, brought in new regulation which encouraged banks to, or mandated that banks open APIs to create a more open banking ecosystem. And one of the the areas that sprung up from there is this kind of creating account-to-account payment networks. We think that's really exciting because um, there are real benefits to paying like from account-to-account, basically avoiding the really complex payment rails that exist today. So if I pay you with a Visa card, money moves through many different intermediaries. Um, and we, re- we were really impressed when we met, met the Vault team because they all come from the world of payments and they really understand the problem that they're solving. And they really understand what consumers and merchants need to sort of have the trust to try a new payment method. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm excited about that one because um, I think the potential is there to create a much more efficient payment system, which ultimately brings down costs for the consumers and merchants. And, you know, on a per payment basis, that feels small. But, but as a whole thing. As a whole thing. And, you know, especially this year, digital payments are just 
flown up um, as everything's moved online. So, you know, that is one that could have a pretty big impact on how we pay. And it'll be exciting to see where it goes in the next few years because you know one of the trends which we've seen in the past five years is just how how accessible um how accessible startups are trying to make financial services and this is just another way in which it helps consumers and merchants like you said um before we finish i just wanted to ask you one last question which i ask all my uh, all the people i interview um it's quite a broad question but what inspires and motivates you? Very good question to end on, Red. Um, so, you know, I will jump back to recently we did like a, a sort of team building exercise where everyone did one of these kind of personality tests and it was all about uncovering your strengths. And the one that came to the top with me was like, said you're a learner you like you like to learn and you enjoy the process of learning sometimes even more than the end result and yeah I could really relate to that because um, I sort of love to be busy with the process building up to something and honestly sometimes I can feel like it's anticlimactic when it's finished <laughs> so being someone that like really enjoys the journey and like learning and building. Um, I think that's what inspires and motivates me. It's just like continuing to build and make progress. And, you know, there are like lots of small examples of that. So like, you know, maybe each deal I work on is like a journey, but then that's part of like this bigger journey at Augmentum where we're trying to build the fun scale and its reach. And then I guess that comes under like the bigger umbrella of like, where am I going with my career and what am I building to? So yeah, for me, it's just kind of, it's learning along the journey. And as long as I feel I'm learning and progressing, then I feel motivated to keep going. And that's a pretty cool part of being a VC is you are always learning because, you know, you probably don't even know about half of the new innovations and technologies which are out there and which are coming to market. And by working with founders to really help them grow a you're learning about these new things but b you're then going to be part of their process and help uh, or learn along with them yeah 100 like this is a good place to be to keep learning um yeah there's always something new so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure your insights are really valuable to our listeners, many of whom are interested in VC or the startup ecosystem and want to just learn more about how to break into it. And um, yeah, I think it was great chatting to you. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Ved. It was a real pleasure to chat with you. And um yeah, I'm so glad that you were part of the, the first cohort that we did with Team VC. Um, that was one of my favorite projects that we've done out of Momentum, really, because it was a chance for like lots of collaboration across our team. We got to meet all of you guys that took part. And it's amazing that, you know, we're still in touch and we love seeing like all of the projects you guys are working on and being involved with them when we can. So 
And I'm so excited to see where Team VC goes. Um, and to all of my listeners out there, if you're interested in just even learning a bit more about tech or the VC ecosystem, um, Team VC on their website have some really incredible insights just to learn. And hopefully there'll be some more competitions coming out soon. Thank you for listening to The Exploratory Journey, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow all our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with our future episodes.